We are going to turn over into the book of Psalms this morning, the book of Psalms. If you would remember um, Danielle Stone just found out um, has brain, a brain tumor that is operating on Tuesday at Memorial. Uh, so Danielle Stone, remember Danielle Stone to the Lord, if you would. Uh, please, Psalm 133, Psalm 133 this morning, we've talking about, now instead of, you know how I, I get into series, well I got into this series and literally we're going to be in this series for a, a really long time, and so instead of going to Second Chronicles every uh, every week, um, we're going to go into uh, a couple different passages, uh, but uh, our main passage is in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're talking about our responsibility as we live uh, in the Valley of Blessing. You'll see um, there in Second Chronicles chapter 20 with Jehoshaphat as they were in the valley of Baraka, which Baraka means, literally means uh, blessing. And uh, we live, uh, I know sometimes it doesn't seem like it, and I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, uh, but we live in a valley of blessing. We are a blessed people. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Uh, sometimes we get our eyes off of the blessings and get them on the circumstances of life or get them on our, our problems um, that we are going through or that we're facing. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, sometimes it's hard. And if you're not careful, you'll get your eyes uh, on the problems and you're, you'll forget how blessed you really are. And sometimes I think we've got to get a little bit of perspective uh, in life because as bad as we have it, there's always somebody that has it worse. And I know sometimes that's hard to see. We kind of get the Elijah syndrome where we're the only ones that are going through this problem. We're the only ones that are facing the circumstance and we're the only ones that love God. You know, that sometimes we get that syndrome, um, that problem that we, um, that we often have because our eyes slip off of where they're supposed to be and they get on where they don't need to be or where they shouldn't be. And so uh, if it's happened to you, if probably I dare say everybody in here it's happened to a time or two, but if it's happening to you currently, what do you need to do? You need to readjust your eyes. You need to readjust your position. You need to readjust your priorities and be looking in the right place. And um, I was, I, I did a, one, one of my, one of my, probably my least favorite places to be, vacation-wise, is the beach. Now, I know that's like sacrilegious in the South, but I just, I'm not a real big beach fan, okay? And there's multiple reasons for that. But if we're on the beach, I tell my wife this all the time, because my wife's the opposite. She she loves the beach. And I said, if we're going to be on the beach, the place that I'm staying is going to be touching the beach, okay? So I can go shower. I can get back to my, I, I don't like the heat, 
I don't like to be dirty. I don't like to be sandy. So that's the beach. Okay. So, but I had a wedding at the beach. So, um, matter of fact, fully, obviously, fully clothed and um, was down at the beach. Well, I was sitting down there watching all the stuff as everybody was getting ready and we had the stuff set up at the beach and I was trying to get away from the sun. It's a hard thing to do on the beach. And uh, you should have seen me. I mean, I got the looks. I mean, I got the looks. So they had the setup and the lighthouse was in the background. This is on a Tybee. The lighthouse was in the background and there was a great big piece of driftwood. I mean, great big, it was was really beautiful. Well, I took a cap off of one of those totes and put it down underneath that driftwood. And I'm sitting down there on the tote with my head like this, covered by that. Well, you know how the sun moves, right? So I'm sinking and and I'm sinking and I'm... And every time, and finally, I got to the point where I thought, somebody's going to have to relieve me because I can't get up. Because I'm trying not to get, you know, I'm trying not to get Sandy, and so Kyle did come get me. But I'm telling you, every time I tried, and I try to get away, and I try to, sometimes that's what our problems are, aren't they? We're trying to get away from it. We're trying to get away from it. And, and it just keeps peeking around the corner. It keeps coming over the top. And everywhere we turn and everywhere we look, it, it seems like the problems are trying to, uh, trying to get us down. The problems are trying to pin us down in this life. And so what do we need to do? We need to readjust our eyes. And we need to look at the Lord. And so to, to, to look at the Lord as a Christian... As a born-again child of God, to, to look at the Lord and to look at what God has done for us, we need to understand and we need to come to the realization that we are blessed. We are blessed. And so, living in the valley of blessing and being blessed, having the, uh, uh, the opportunity to be saved, I don't know if you ever think this, but I think of this from time to time and I think, I think to myself, why in the world would God love me, me? Enough to save me. I, sometimes I, sometimes I, I, don't even, I don't even love myself. And so I'm thinking to myself, why in the world would God care enough for me to save me? And I tell you, when I, when I begin to think that way, I begin to realize how blessed I really am. And when I realize how blessed I am, according to the word of God, I've got some responsibilities with that blessing. I've got that responsibility with the Spirit of God that lives inside of me. And, and what do I need to do? We've already talked about a couple things. We talked about uh, the first thing is we need to rely on the Lord. We need, to, we need to believe. We need to trust. We need to lean on the Lord. Not on the, our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct our paths, right? And so we need to trust the Lord with all our hearts. And so we need to rely on Him. We've talked a couple weeks on rejoicing. We not only rely, we need to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He didn't say rejoice when the times were good or just rejoice when things are going well in your life. He said rejoice in the Lord always. When things are going good, when things are going bad, when you're on the mountaintop, when you're in the valley, or you're somewhere in between, we need to be a rejoicing people. We need to rejoice. Can you imagine when Peter looked at the Lord and he said, Lord, if it's really you, bid me come to you on the water. And the Lord said, come on. And Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water. Can you imagine the jubilation of Peter? 
Can you imagine the joy of Peter as he's walking on the water thinking to himself, wow, this doesn't happen. And he begins to walk on the water and he's looking at the Lord and no doubt he's got a smile on his face and there's joy in his heart. And then what does he do? He does what we often do. He begins to look at the storm. He begins to look at the problems of life. And then guess what happens? He begins to have problems. Do you know what he did? He lost his rejoicing, didn't he? Do you know why? Fear got into his heart. You know, it's hard to rejoice and be afraid at the same time, isn't it? I mean, it's, 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 hard, to, it's hard to be joyful and be sad at the same time. And so, so what did he do? He had to get his eyes back off of the storm and back onto the Lord. Probably one of the shortest prayers in all the Word of God, Lord, save me, three words. And the Lord reached down and, and, and pulled him up and they walked to the, walked to the boat together. But boy, I'm telling you, you can't lose your salvation. If you're saved this morning and and you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Understand, that's why Jesus died. That's why he came. He came to become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. Okay, So it's not my righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness in me. It's not what I've done. It's what he's already done. And when I came to that realization, I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he saved me. Now, I'm not telling you from that day to this I've been perfect because that would be a lie. I'm not saying from that day to this that that I never made a mistake because that would be a lie. But I'm telling you from that day to this and from this day until eternity, I'm saved. Because once you get saved, you're saved forever. That's why God calls it eternal life. That's why God calls it life forever. It's the eternal security that we have in Jesus Christ. So you can't lose your salvation, but watch out. Because you can lose your joy. Even as a saved person. Even as a person that has been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you can lose your rejoicing. But I want to tell you something. Because I think this is an important aspect of, <laughs> I say this all the time, I know, but we're fixing to get into the message. But listen, we, when, when it comes to our joy and when it comes to our rejoicing, you, nobody can take it from you. You have to give it away. You have to give it away. Now, we blame it on the devil and we blame it on people and we blame, but I'm here to tell you, let me tell you what, as a Christian, what you're going to have to deal with, you're going to have to deal with people and you're going to have to deal with the devil. I mean, you're going to have to deal with them. I mean, you can go isolate yourself somewhere, but I'm telling you, you're going to, as a Christian, you're going to have to deal with the devil. And, and, and as a, a person in society, you're going to have to deal with people. People. People are strange. People are mean. People are, people are, people are ugly. And I'm not talking about their looks. I'm just telling you, people are just, people, people are miserable and they don't want you to have any joy. A miserable person wants everybody else to be miserable and they'll do everything they can to make you miserable. I've talked to my kids about it. I told, I told my kids about it before. I said, listen, let me tell you something. You, you, I, I wish this hadn't happened to you. But quite frankly, I'm glad it did. Because from now until until you die, you're going to have to deal with people. 
And there are these kind of people every single place you go. Do you know, so often we, you see people uh, move from church to church to church. Dr. Shoemaker calls it the rotation of the saints. You know, they just kind of move from one church to another to another. Because they think that they're going to be able to go to another church and they're going to find the perfect church. If that church was perfect before you got there, you ruined it. And by the way, the only reason it was perfect is because it was empty. There's, there's no perfect people. There's no perfect preachers. There's no perfect, uh, uh, there's no perfect deacons. There's no perfect trustees. There's no perfect leadership. There's no perfect uh, people in the pews. We're all imperfect. You know what I've learned when I go to places? I've learned that it's, this, it's the same person. They just have a different name. You ever notice that? You ever do that? If, you, if you're visiting a church somewhere, you go, oh, my goodness, there's sister so-and-so. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's like, oh, my, there's brother so-and-so. You ever, you ever done that before? You're kind of looking around, and it, you resemble. Why? Because people are people, and you have to deal with them. And as we deal with people, don't allow people to steal your joy. Don't, don't give it away just because they're being ugly or just because they're being mean. Don't give away your joy. You know what David said? David begged God. You know what he begged God? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Give me my joy back. Let me rejoice again. And the only way you're going to do that, the only way you're going to have that ability is by keeping your eyes on the Lord and your eyes off of men. It amazes me. It amazes me what we allow other people to determine what we're going to do. I'm not working at that place because of this person. I'm not going to that church because of this person. I'm not going to do this because of this person. I'm going to be miserable because of this person. I'm going to have unforgiveness in my heart because of this person. And we allow people to dictate how we act. It's absolutely amazing to me. Listen, my joy isn't based on you. It just isn't. My joy is based on the Lord. You know why my joy isn't based on you? Because you change. Relationships change. People change. Where's my joy based? My joy based, my rejoicing is based on the Lord Jesus Christ. And He doesn't ever change. And so when times are good, He's good. When times are bad, He's still good. Because he's good all the time. And so uh, we need to rejoice. That actually was a recap of point two. All right, number, point three. So not only do we got to rely on the Lord and rejoice in the Lord, but then uh, if we're going to have this responsibility in the Valley of Blessing, look at Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Uh, listen to what David said. Verse number one. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Boy, would we, would to God we'd have that tattooed on our foreheads. You know what a difference that would make in our churches? If we would just go to Psalm 133, how good it would be and how pleasant it would be when brethren dwell in unity. It's bad. Listen to me. It's bad when family can't get along. You ever been to a family reunion? And, and, and the weird uncle shows up that you wish didn't show up? 
or the mean-spirited cousins or the people that you haven't saw in a long time and they come and they cut a shine and make a fool. You ever seen it? And everybody, instead of going away from the family reunion going, praise the Lord, they go away thinking, I'm never going to a family reunion again. It's, it's sad when family can't get along. Sad. Fighting and arguing. I, growing up, listen, growing up, i got two sisters, two younger sisters. Both of my younger sisters could whoop anybody I've ever come across. And that's thankful to me because I, I made them tough. And we fought all the time. But I'm here to tell you, nobody else fought with them. That was my sisters. I mean, what, what, you know, I, I, I've been in many a tussle over somebody that said something to my sister that they shouldn't have said uh, growing up. And why? Because you, you can't, listen, that's my family. I tell my kids all the time, I said, listen to me. I, I tell my family all the time, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how you act, you will always be my child. Always. Now, I may be disappointed. You might get a talking to. I might even yell a little bit. But at the end of the day, you'll always be my children. That'll, that'll never change. Why? Because we're, because we're family. Let me tell you something. In the church, we're family. I'm talking about the scripture. What, is, what does the scripture use? The scripture uses the word brethren. Now, that's about offensive today, but brethren means the people of God. It means men and women. It means, it means brothers and sisters in Christ. This, this word brethren means family. And God's church ought to be a family. A family that gets along. A family that is united. You see, we should rely and we should rejoice, but we should also rally. We should rally around one another. You see, we might disagree, just like a family does, right? But I'm here to tell you, we ought to stand behind each other. We ought to say, listen to me, don't mess with the family. This is, this is my family. If you can't stand up for your family, if you can't stand up for your church, and quite frankly, you're in the wrong church. I'm just here to tell you. You should be able to, do, do we have idiosyncrasies? Yes. Sure we do. Do we have moments? Yes. Sure we do. Do we have disagreements? Yeah, I can guarantee you, I could pull just about any of you up here, and we can talk about the disagreements we've had. But you know what? We're still brothers and sisters in Christ. And see, brothers and sisters in Christ ought to be able to disagree and move on. Not backbite, not bicker, not gossip. Well, let me tell you about that preacher. Yeah, listen, you know, you know if I did that, you know, you, know how much, you know how much gossip I'd have? I mean, I could go on for a long, long time. And talk about the things that people have done, people have said. Oh, people don't. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how naive some people can be. No, people aren't unkind. People are unkind all the time. It's the nature of, 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 of being a human being. 
Sometimes it's because we lash out. Sometimes it's because, you, you hear me say this all the time, hurt people hurt people. When you're hurt and when things are going on, maybe somebody said something to you or somebody's done something to you, often you lash out because of that. And you know what we often do? We often lash out to the people we love. We often lash out to the people we're closest to. Isn't that true at work? Your, your boss ever make you mad? I mean, he said something or done something or made you do something you didn't want to do and well, you don't lash out at your boss. You, you don't want to lose your job. So what do you do? You come home and you lash out to your wife. You lash out to your children. We often lash out to the ones that we love because we often don't think. In church, we need to start rallying together in unity because this world is falling apart. Can, can we agree on that? I know there's some things that we, we disagree on, but can we agree on that? This world is falling to pieces. I mean, it is falling to pieces on a expedited time frame. And as I look around, I think to myself, I've stopped using this terminology. It couldn't get any worse. I stopped using that. Because I'm telling you, it always does. And God tells us, right? You remember, God tells us things in this world are going to wax worse and worse. They're not getting better and better. One preacher said it's not getting better and better, it's getting worser and worser. (laughs) I mean, things are falling to pieces, and they're falling apart. So what does the church need to do? We don't need to fragment. We don't need to bicker. We don't need to argue. We need to rally together. We need to get together as a unit, as a church. Why? Because this world, even though they don't think so, this world needs the church. Do you know how I know that? I know the world needs this church because God's still got the church here. If, if, if God was done using the church, the rapture of the church would have already happened. We'd be gone. There'd be no purpose. There'd be no reason for us here. But God still got us here. And I believe, as in Esther, that God's got us here for such a time as this. Yeah, things are bad. Yeah, things aren't what they used to be. Well, you know, you look, look back in history... Look back in even our, our own history on how drastically things have changed. How drastically things have, have altered and they're different. You tell people today, listen, they talk about, we were talking about something the other day and I was saying, yeah, that was back before cell phones. It'll blow these young people's minds. Back before cell We've always had cell phones. No, really there was a time before we even had telephones. Yeah, it's just that's too much. Just, just it's that it's that syndrome where they come and you see the old, old, uh, old, old TVs, and they look at the back of the TV and say, "What's all that back there?" <laughs> because what are we used to? Flat screens, right? Things have just changed so much. You know, in technology, they've changed so much in medicine. They've changed so much in so many areas. But let me tell you something: they've changed so much in the area of sin as well. A lot more today is being accepted. And a lot more today is being accepted by the church than ever than it ever has been. Things that used to make the average person blush is commonplace anymore. I mean, have you watched a television show lately? 
I mean, there's nothing but smut on that television. I mean, the television shows, the commercials. We, let me say, we DVR everything. I guess it's still called DVR. What, we record almost everything. I mean, our games, basically, that's all we watch. We, we record all of them. Why? Because there's a little thing called fast forward. First of all, I don't want to watch the dumb ad. Second of all, it's probably explicit. It's unbelievable. You know, I want to watch the game. I don't want to, I don't want to buy what you're selling, and I don't want to see what you've got going on. And so you get to fast forward. That's, that's the nice aspect of having, you know, having that, having that uh, the ability to do that. But I'm here to tell you, you can't fast forward life. And there's things that we've got to deal with today that we've never had to deal with before. And can I tell you, I worry most for our children and our grandchildren. The Lord tarries is coming. I mean, if we're facing what we're facing now, can you imagine what they're going to face? Sometimes, have you ever thought this? Maybe you've never have. But years ago, I would have thought, this will never happen. This will never occur. I can imagine our forefathers rolling over in their grave. If that was a possibility, rolling over in their grave about some of the things that are coming, that are happening in our country. The idea that the United States of America is a predominantly Christian nation is going by the wayside. It's founded. It's founded that way. But I'm telling you, it is rapidly going by the wayside. And you go by and you see all these churches and you think, well, look, preacher, look at all these churches. Do you, I, I know you know this, that not all churches are created equal. And just because something says church on it doesn't make it a church. Let me give you a perfect example. What's the name of our church? Holy smokes. You're a temple? A temp- like a Buddhist temple? Like a Jewish temple? I mean, what, what? I'm telling you, I've had that question asked me. What do you mean Temple. Listen, just because we have temple in our main name doesn't make us a Jewish temple. Doesn't make us a Buddhist temple. Listen, the church has nothing to do with this building. This building is an asset to the church. These grounds are an asset to the church. The pew is there so you don't have to sit on the floor. It's not the church. It's just the convenience. The air conditioning which is staying forever. The air conditioning is a convenience. There's a lot of places that don't even have a building. A lot of places that meet outside. There's a lot of places that it's illegal to meet as a church and they are fragmented all over the city meeting in homes. So that, does that make them any less of a church than us? No. Because the church are the people, those that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And those people ought to rally together when times are good and they ought to rally together when times are bad. And we need to get it. It'd be pleasant and good for the brethren, for God's people to dwell together in unity. Unity ought to be at the top of every church's priority list. Unity. Listen, if you begin to lose unity, you begin to lose your church. That's how church splits happen. 
this, this group of people got mad at this group of people and they couldn't, they couldn't solve that problem, so this group of people leaves and then this group of people starts another church and this group of people is the first Baptist and they're the second Baptist and hold on a second because they're going to fight too and they're going to make a third Baptist. This is what happens. It happens more times than it should. Can you imagine if just in Effingham County, if all the churches that believe the same, I'm talking about they have the same doctrine, we're going to talk about that in a minute, all met together, there wouldn't be a building big enough to hold them. There wouldn't. Now, I'm not talking about differences in music and differences. I'm talking about doctrinal things. If all the churches that could agree... Now, I'm not talking about agreeing on other things. They're split because they can't agree on the color of the carpet. They can't, they can't agree on the color that goes on the walls. They can't agree on, you know, oh, the, the pastor said this and, and we think this, and so we're just going to split the church wide open. Churches very rarely split, split on doctrinal issues. Very rarely. I'm here to tell you, if you're part of church and that church doesn't believe in the deity of Christ, it's time to leave. It's either time to rally and change the, change the doctrine to, to the, what the Word of God says, or it's time to leave. I'm not saying there's never a time to leave. I'm just telling you, sometimes we leave for the wrong reasons. I determined at, uh, at my ordination when I got ordained. I got ordained back when they really ordained people. I had, a, I had a, uh, an entire team of preachers and um, professors who drilled me on every doctrine known to man. Some doctrines I wasn't even aware of yet. I mean, they asked me every question you could think of. By the time I was done with that, man, I was sweating. I mean, I was, I, was, I forget, I'm done. I'm not going to get ordained. I mean, I was so nervous. But we, we they, 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 they met together, and boy, I'm telling you, the, the idea, this idea that doctrine doesn't matter is a bad idea. This I didn't, I determined then, I said, I said then, God, if you, if you send me to a place, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm never going to leave that place, but I'm not going to leave that place because of what somebody has done or because of a disagreement or because somebody was ugly or because it was a bad situation. I want to leave. If I'm going to leave, it's because the Lord wants me to leave and the Lord's directing me to leave. And, and I want to leave the church in a better place than when I, than, than, than when I was there. I told the Lord that. And so, but listen, we're too quick to shut things. We're too quick to shut things off in relationships. We're too quick to shut things off in marriage. We're too quick to shut things off in church. Because it's just easier to get out. It's just easier to move away. It's just easier. And by the way, pride gets in the way, doesn't it? Because I'm right and you're wrong. I mean, that's ultimately the determination. I'm right and you're wrong and I'm not going to change what I think. So you either change what you think or we're out. That's what often happens in, in churches and in relationships. And it, it, the, old, the old joke says in, 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 um, uh, in Las Vegas, you can, you can drive up and go get a, 
get a marriage certificate through the drive-thru and go across the street and get a divorce through the drive-thru. I mean, that's, I mean, that's where we're living today. I mean, it's just, it's not working out. Average stay of a pastor in a church, 18 months. 18 months. Year and a half. It's the average stay of a pastor. Now, some of that has to do with the moving of pastors, and you know, like a lot of, a lot of Methodists, they, they, they'll move their pastors around. But a lot of that has to do with, <laughs> the honeymoon's over, I'm out. Boy, I mean, this isn't working, I'm out. And I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, it happens more than it should amongst God's people. And we need to rally together. Nothing ever gets done amidst strife and division. Listen to me. Nothing ever gets accomplished when we're fighting, when we're divided, when there's strife amongst God's people. God's people must rally together and be one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to 47. We must be in one accord if we are going to be successful for the Lord. We can't do it alone. Boy, you know, do you you realize that when you're at the at the wedding yesterday, you've probably seen it. Uh, there's so many, so many ways that people um, uh, represent or um, they use different things to represent the marriage. And sometimes I've seen it with sand. Sometimes I've seen it with a unity candle. Well, one of the ones is a, is a, is a three-cord strand. It's, it's, really, it's really neat if you've never seen it. And you've got, you got three, basically, strings and you wrap those strings together into a knot. They call it God's knot. And it ties together. And what, what is the point? The point is, husband, wife, God, you strand them together. They're always stronger together than they are apart. If you put them together, they're stronger than they are if they're separate. If you go out there separately, we can accomplish some things. But imagine what we can do if we're together. If we're stranded together and God's not accomplishing what God would have us to do, we can and we will be successful if we'll just unite together. We need to unite. Okay, We need to, be, we need to rally together. And one of the areas we need to rally around is doctrine. It's doctrine. Doctrine of the Scriptures. Not tradition. Not your view of it. But doctrine, I love study Bibles. I talk about Bibles all the time. I love them. But I'm here to tell you, study Bibles are often skewed. What do I mean by that? I mean, now obviously the Word of God is the Word of God, but the study notes are, are generally the view of the person that's writing the, the study Bible. I'll give you an example. Schofield. How many people in here have a Schofield Bible? quite a few of us, right? Well, Schofield, I I mean, that's the Bible that I cut my teeth on. I I love the Schofield. As a matter of fact, it's my preaching Bible. I I love the Schofield Bible, but this is what I tell people. Listen to me. The Word of God is inspired. The notes that are down on the bottom are man's opinion. That's his opinion of that Scripture. And and if if you read Schofield and you read his notes on Genesis, I differ with Schofield. When it, when it comes to that. I mean, I just do. But where do we go to? I'm not talking about Schofield's notes. I'm talking about the Word of God. 
What does the Word of God say? Doctrine is monumentally important for the church. And it's monumentally important when it comes to unity. When I'm talking about unity, I'm not talking about compromise. There's a difference. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not uniting together with somebody that doesn't even believe in the deity of Christ. That doesn't believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures. Who doesn't believe in the Trinity of the church, or Trinity of, of God. These doctrinal issues are important for the church to unite together. And so this unity must be a unity around the doctrine of the Word of God. Doctrine ought to be the determining factor of unity. We unite together according to the Word of God. So when I'm talking about doctrine, I'm talking about the Word of God. You cannot, you cannot shut the Word of God and set it to the side and say, okay, come one, come all. That's, that's compromise. That's not unity. That's compromise. This is what God's Word says. And so if this is what God's Word says, then this is wrong and this is right. Now that offends a lot of people today. It really does. It offends a lot of churches today. And I'm telling you, if you believe that, you're going to be known as the black sheep. That's just all there is to it. But I'm here to tell you, now, there are some things, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, there's some things in the community that you can do that, I'll give you a good for instance, the manor house. It's a, that's a great for instance. The manor house will, you know, give out food. They don't, they don't say, okay, well, what's your doctrinal stand before they give you out your food? So I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the unity in the church. As we gather together, what does God's word say? Because what God's word say determines uh, uh, our unity with one another. Unity without doctrine leads to the decay of the church. Unity without doctrine leads to the decay of the church. And I'm telling you, it's getting worse and worse and worse in the church. And we're allowing things that God says are wrong. We're allowing things <clears throat> that God has put off limits. We're allowing things that God has called sin in the church. Well, that's just what you believe, preacher. That's just what you think about that. But here's the thing. There's opinion, and then there's doctrine. There's opinion, and we can disagree on opinion, and we do. And then there's the Word of God. You don't disagree on the Word of God. You, you just don't, and then unite together. That's not how it happens. That's how the decay of the church happens. That's why when you come into some churches, you think to yourself, what in the world happened? And you got women up and preaching as well, preacher, here we go. No, 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 let's go back to the Word of God. Let me tell you something. A woman, it's not popular either. But a woman cannot be a pastor, and she cannot be a deacon. She can't figure out, how are you going to figure out, how are you going to be the husband of one wife? That is a qualification. I didn't make that qualification, but we've allowed that in. And, made, and listen, I've heard them say, I've heard them say it. Well, we couldn't find any men. Uh, okay. Listen, in my previous church, 
That's some great men. I mean some great men of God in our church. But I'm telling you, I guarantee you, 85% of them were divorced. Good men. I mean good people. And it was years ago. And boy, the wife they're with, 40 years, 45 years. But I'm here to tell you. I didn't say, okay, well, you know, you've been divorced, so, you know, you're, you get, you got, you've got two eyes, but it's, it's okay, you can be a deacon. No. So you know what? You know, the entire time I was there, I had one deacon. One. The entire time. Nobody else was qualified. Just because nobody's qualified doesn't mean we compromise. And by the way, because we've let some of these things in, we've now let some blatant sin in. Because now they're ordaining homosexuals. Now they're marrying men to men and women to women in the church. That's what's going on. Because you let a little compromise in, and guess what? The decay starts to spread. I got a tooth. It's one of my molars. You know, one of those chewing molars. Busted in half. I hate the dentist. Nothing against dentists. I just don't like them. Every time I go to them, they cause me pain. So I don't, don't like the dentist. So it broke off and didn't hurt. <sighs> Doesn't hurt. Don't, broke, don't fix it, right? And so, so I, I let it go. Well, guess what? Begin to decay. And begin to cause problems. And more problems. And now this stupid thing hurts all the time. Stuff gets stuck in it all the time. The dude's getting worse and worse. Well, now you know how it is now. Try to get in anywhere. I mean, I finally went in for my consultation. I got my consultation. He said, yep, you have to have it pulled. Well, thanks. Thanks for that second opinion. I don't know why I needed a second opinion to pull it. If I could pull it myself, I'd do it. And so he said, all right, we'll make you an appointment. November 8th. It's like, no, 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 just, just reach in there and yank it out. Oh, I'm sorry, it's got to be cut out, and you're going to have to have surgery. And as it gets worse and worse and worse. Because let me tell you what decay will do. It'll begin to spread. And it'll begin to, it'll begin to bleed over into this issue. It'll begin to bleed over in that issue. You see, you take, you take the Bible and prayer out of schools, guess what? It begins to decay. You take doctrine out. You take the Bible out of things, and things will begin to decay. We've taken them out of our country. We've taken them out of our churches. It's absolutely unbelievable how many churches I've visited where I've sat in the congregation and listened to the preacher who never once opened the Word of God. Never quoted a verse. Never referred to a verse. There are preachers now that aren't even bringing Bibles into the pulpit. I'm telling you, these are facts, folks. And it didn't start that way. It was decay that began to get worse and worse and worse. So if we're not careful, and we're not being careful, if we're not careful, that decay will begin to continue to get worse and worse and worse. And I'm telling you, the church we once knew is a church of the past. It's... You, do you know how difficult it is to find a traditional church? It's, it's difficult. And if you're traditional, man, something's wrong. You're a weirdo. What is wrong with you? You use the King James? Oh, you must be. 
And let me tell you, you start getting plugged as this one single person, this one single group. This is who you are. And then throw in there the fact that we're a temple and not a church. We weirdos. Now, praise the Lord and Rankin, we've been here a long time. So, I mean, it's, you know, we've been around a long time. They, they just call us, half the places just call us temple. But I'm here to tell you, in a, in a world that's falling apart, it's unfortunate, but the church is falling apart with it. And what do we need to do? We need to rally. We need to get back together. We need to be the church because we need today to be stronger than ever. We need today to be shining that lighthouse farther than ever. Let me tell you something. There might be problems everywhere, but let me tell you, you can come to Rink about his temple and we'll show you and we'll help you from God's word. I'm not saying everybody's like that, but I want to be like that. I want to be that church. I want to be a lighthouse, not only around the world, but right here in Rinkin. We're a missions-minded church. I'm thankful for that. I mean, we, we give to missions, and we got missionaries. We've got 40-plus missionaries around the world. And I'm thankful for that. But that doesn't alleviate our responsibility to, to be what God's called us to be right here. Right here in Rinkin. And if you think for one second everybody's saved, you're wrong. If you think just because everybody goes to church that they've got it all together, you're wrong. We need to shine, and we need to shine brighter than ever before. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for your love for us, your, your kindness, and your goodness to us, Lord. And I pray uh, at this invitation, Lord, that you would have your will and your way in each heart and each life. With every bed bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning. And you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's never been a time where uh, you uh, placed your faith in Him for the forgiveness of your sins. And you say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now. I'd go to heaven to be with God. And I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down. I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I wouldn't embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure I'm saved. Preacher, please remember me in your prayers. Maybe you're saved and... You got that settled. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. I'm here to tell you, we need to readjust our priorities, church. As individuals, as families, as a church. Get our eyes off the world and get our eyes on God. Allow Him to do a work that we could never do. Allow Him to lead us and guide us. Allow Him to be the potter. We're just the clay. We ought to pray, Lord, mold me and make me into what You'd have me to be. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn of invitation. Can I invite you to come this morning? We have an altar call at our church so that if the Lord is speaking to your heart, dealing with an issue in your heart and your life that you just want to pray that you can take that time and go before the Lord maybe right there at your seat right here at the altar but if God's dealing with you recognize that if God's dealing with you then deal with the situation God's dealing you with and be thankful be thankful the Holy Spirit of God convicts us